Welcome to Understanding Congress, a podcast about the first branch of government. Congress is a notoriously complex institution, and few Americans think well of it. But Congress is essential to our republic. It's a place where our pluralistic society is supposed to work out its differences and come to agreement about what our laws should be. And that is why we are here to discuss our national legislature and to think about ways to upgrade it so it can better serve our nation. I'm your host, Kevin Kosar, and I'm a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, a think tank in Washington, D.C. The topic of this episode is, what does the Committee on House Administration do? And who better to answer this question than my guest, Representative Rodney Davis. He's the ranking member of the Committee on House Administration, or CHA as it's often called. He has been on the committee since 2014. Representative Davis currently is serving his fifth term in Congress, representing the 13th District of Illinois, which covers a 14-county region that includes both urban and rural communities in central and southwestern Illinois. Ranking member Rodney Davis, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Always enjoy being with you. Let me first ask, how did you end up on the Committee on House Administration and later become its top Republican? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I was not on House Administration my first term. I came in, went in the closest Republican victory in the nation. I was told that my third committee was going to be raising enough money to, to get reelected. And I wanted to be on transportation and infrastructure and agriculture, two committees I currently still serve on, but they were very important to my district. Well, I ended up winning my reelect by a very good margin. And I went back to Congress really excited to get a third committee. I walked up to Speaker Boehner on the floor and I said, Mr. Speaker, I'd like you to consider me for House administration. We were the majority at the time. We had multiple spots open. And he looked at me and he's like, that's a good idea. I'm a former staffer. I love this stuff. I used to get told when I worked in the district office, we're doing it this way because we always have. Now they don't say that as much to me anymore because we make changes. We make things better. And now couple, the House Administration Committee, we're in the minority. We only have three members. I rose up in seniority to where I was second in seniority the last time we were in the majority. And then Leader McCarthy made me the ranking member during the last Congress. Yeah, you alluded to the fact that there are some committees one joins because it is advantageous directly to one's constituents, and it can certainly help with the fundraising. But Committee on House Administration is not one of them. Its jurisdiction is sprawling, and it includes elections policy, the operation of the House of Representatives and all the offices within it, overseeing the Library of Congress, Smithsonian, Chief Administrative Office, Clerk of the House, Sergeant at Arms, House Inspector General, etc., etc. Which of these subjects has the committee spent the most time since you joined, but prior to 2021? Yeah, prior to prior to even 2020, during our my my first term as the ranking member, I never would have thought that the smallest committee in Congress, House Administration, would become the Democrats' legislative committee. They tried to run, and they did successfully through our committee. They ran HR one. It was a 700-page bill that is changing the face of how elections are run in our country. It changed. It would have changed the face of how campaigns were funded in our country. And that went through our committee of nine people, six Democrats and three Republicans. During that Congress, we fought valiantly and we kept 
everybody together, making sure that we oppose this national takeover of our elections. And you fast forward that to the pandemic of 2020 in that, in that first term that I was ranking member. We never would have thought House admin would have to deal with such an issue about how's the house going to operate, what's happening with security, what's happening with capital grounds. That took up so much of my time during the year of 2020 throughout the pandemic because we were trying to get the majority to focus on planning so that we could reopen our house campus. We asked them to plan for testing when, when we didn't have access to testing on Capitol Hill. And now we've asked them to plan for vaccinations, and they've done that, but it's been a lot slower. Those issues have really been the two that have taken up our time over the last two Congresses. And 2021 brought additional issues, including dealing with security relating to January 6th and a disputed election in Iowa. Were there others on top of that? Well, it's been a very busy committee. I can tell you because of all of our action, I've had more members come up to me in the last six months asking about serving on House administration than I ever had my entire eight-year career in Congress. They see that we, we have a role in, in things that make the House work. And January 6th was, was just a, a day that was a travesty for American history. It showed our foreign adversaries how to take down a branch of government. And I never would have thought it would have been perpetrated by Americans who questioned the election. These are the issues that we as a committee have oversight for to make sure they never happen again. I want questions answered. Why in the world were we not in a better security posture to protect the Capitol and protect everyone prior to January 6th? Those are the things that we now have to go hash out to make sure that we're in a better security position for every single person on Capitol Hill, especially as we move towards reopening again. Now, the committee's issue portfolio, as you've already indicated, is it's got stuff in it that are pretty politically fraught, pretty intense. How does the committee manage the politics and, and still keep getting so much work done? Well, I wish we were doing more. I wish there was more bipartisanship. And certainly when we were in the majority, it was a very bipartisan committee. But Chairperson Lofgren has chosen to take a much more partisan route. Our three members, it's me, it's, it's Barry Loudermilk and Brian Style, and we're nimble, we're fast, and we fight. We fight like hell to make sure that our voices are heard and our, our visions of how to run the Capitol complex and how to oversee those agencies are put forth. And, and frankly, there's no better example of our successes working as a team together then the Democrats walking away from trying to unseat our fellow member of Congress, Mary Nat Miller-Meeks, in Iowa. She won a very close race by six votes. The Democrats were on a path to overturn her election and unseat her. Speaker Pelosi said she envisioned a scenario of that happening. And we were able to work with our leadership, our political folks, and with Mary Nat Miller-Meeks' team and beat back their attempts and beat back their high-priced lawyers and the Democrat Campaign Congressional Committee, too. Let's talk about congressional reform. The Select Committee on Modernization was stood up in 2019 and has been reporting out various ideas for reform. Implementation of many of these ideas falls squarely in your committee's jurisdiction. How have you managed this relationship or partnership with the Select Committee? Well, I'm on the Select Committee, so I've really enjoyed watching Chair, Chairman Derek Kilmer work with his vice chair, Tom Graves, in the first Congress that this committee was in operation, and then also working with Vice Chair William Timmons now. 
if you want to see bipartisanship in action, pop onto one of our modernization committee hearings. We just had one today on, on, on disability access on Capitol Hill. It's not the most exciting issue that's going to get the, the coverage in the 24-hour news cycle, but it's important. It's how do we make the House campus more accessible? And you're right. During the last Congress, if you want to see bipartisan success, it's the recommendations that we all made in a bipartisan way that came out of the Modernization Committee. Now, I've learned with my first two and a half years in the minority now that this is a very majority-driven institution. Although I would argue I, I probably believed a little bit more in the bipartisanship nature when we were in when we were in the majority because that's what I saw from my committee chairs. I don't see that now. And I certainly hope that Chairperson Lofgren will continue to implement and schedule to be implemented any statutory changes that we've offered on the Modernization Committee that she too serves on. Which congressional reform issues are your top priorities to work on this year or into next year? Well, it's, it's one that's very appropriate post-January 6th. It's, it's changing the way the Capitol Police Board operates. And frankly, I don't think leadership of either the House or the Senate wants it to change because they have control. They can make decisions. But I, I truly believe those political decisions played a major role and an impact on putting our Capitol Police and the entire security posture in and around the Capitol on January 5th and 6th in a bad position. I want to change that. The Capitol Police Board should not unilaterally be able to make security decisions and overrule our Capitol Police Chief and our officers. They, the Sergeant-at-Arms in the House and the Senate, they're politically appointed. They work in complete conjunction with the Leader of the Senate and the Speaker of the House. And again, I'm finding out this is a very majority-driven institution. And I've learned a lot during the pandemic because you have you have different, not just different security postures between the Senate and the House. I mean, how in the world should we have different security postures between the North and South side of the Capitol, let alone different COVID responses? I mean, I had no idea that when you walk in the rotunda of the Capitol, that somehow COVID behaves differently. The Senate's worked under different medical advice from the same doctor than the House has. And, and, and I'm just amazed because I thought they were more vulnerable. They're older than us. But instead, the House has different guidelines that are politically driven and they're set by the speaker. Now, we know from the public opinion survey data that the American public is down on Congress for the most part. You look over the last 20 years, public approval has hovered somewhere between 10 and 20 or 25 percent. Historically, public approval has been, you know, not high, but it's been around like 40 percent. So it seems to me that there's a rich audience out there, so to speak, for a message of, hey, as a member of Congress, I'm going to reform the place, the place that you dislike so much, but I'm not a legislator. So what do I know? Do you talk about congressional reform to your constituents? And if you do, do they, do they respond positively to it? I do. I certainly do. As a matter of fact, I think they respond positively. I've been reelected now four times and elected five times. So these are the issues I talk about. I, I brag about being ranked in the either 13 or I'm now 14, the 14th most bipartisan member of Congress, according to the Luger Center. I, I talk about these things all the time. The problem is we have a news. We, we, we don't have news as we knew it growing up anymore. We have everybody having the ability to choose their own news. So instead of broadcast news, we have our own self-imposed narrowcast news. 
and news sources. And what happens is those narrow casting news sources only want entertainment value. They don't want somebody on there that's going to pat their Democrat cohorts on the back and say, hey, you know what? Let's work together on this. I got about 80% of what I wanted. You got 80% of what you wanted. Let's move ahead. And then we'll deal with the 20, 25% of the stuff that we didn't get done later. They want to just see us fight. It's all or nothing. And that leads to the polarization and the atmosphere we're in right now, which leads to congressional approval ratings going down. Frankly, I didn't think we could get much lower than 13%, which we've been pretty much over the past few years, but it could happen. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about the media. I read four different news sources today, all of whom have Capitol Hill reporters. I didn't see a single story about the work you and the committee were doing to make the Capitol more accessible to people who are disabled or differently abled. Not a single word of it, which is part of the problem. It's all bad news and conflict and not much good news. For the committee on administration, it used to be a really powerful committee in the 70s and or even the early 80s. It was like a pool of the majority Democrats. It's very interesting to me that you say that we're back to that to some degree. At the same time, you guys are modernizing Congress, which is a kind of bipartisan effort. Who's that responsibility fallen upon to kind of work through all that stuff that it takes to modernize Congress's technology and its internal procedures and the kind of bureaucracy stuff that, you know, is part of the institution's day-to-day operating? Is that falling on you, the minority, or is it shared with the majority or, or what? Well, it depends on the issue. When it comes to modernizing data and constituent management software systems, I mean, we've got bipartisan support in making things happen. I got to give a lot of credit to my colleague, Susan Del Bene, because when she was on the Modernization Committee in the last Congress with me, we took over and, and led an effort to really change the way technology operates within the House. Remember, you know, I'm a former staffer. A lot of former staffers realized that there was somewhat of a duopoly in how you communicate with your own constituents. There were certain systems that almost every office used. They were slow to innovate. They were slow to, to continue to, to change the number of clicks it took to actually get a communication out to your constituents. New technology needed to be let in, but no one wants to change things in government, let alone the House of Representatives. So we've had to force a lot of these issues in place via the Modernization Committee recommendations or, frankly, just through our House Administration Committee and the great staff that I have that are just as nimble as we are in getting things done as the three members of the Republican side of House admin. Well, thank you for your time. You are an extremely busy man, and we've taken a big chunk of your middle of your day. So Rodney Davis, ranking member of the Committee on House Administration, thank you so much for explaining to me how your committee works and the role it plays in congressional reform. Well, thanks for having me on. Great to be with you and AEI. And please let us know if we can be helpful in the future. Thank you for listening to Understanding Congress, a podcast of the American Enterprise Institute. This program was produced by Elaine Allen and hosted by Kevin Kosar. You can subscribe to Understanding Congress via Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. We hope you will share this podcast with others and tell us what you think about it by posting your thoughts and questions on Twitter and tagging at AEI. We hope you have a great day. Thank you.